Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Exodus 18, verses 13 through 27, which can be found on page 59 in our Pew Bibles, or 114 in the large print. Before I read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word that you've given to us. And we do ask that you would help us to hear your word today. We pray that you would help us not only to hear it, but to so internalize it, that by your word and by your spirit, we would be changed more and more into the people that you have created us to be as those who know and experience life with you in and through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Exodus 18, 13 and 27. This comes at a time when Moses is uh, leading the Israelites. They have come out of Egypt and they are still kind of wandering through the desert from place to place. And at this time, we find this. So the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions, and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, over officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Turning then to our New Testament lesson, Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 20. It should be found on page 791. In our pew Bibles are 15, 14 in a large print. After telling us the 12 that uh, Jesus called his apostles, it says, Then... Uh, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. 
Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's some comfort in there and also cause for concern as Jesus says you don't need to worry about what to say for the Spirit of the Father will be speaking through you. That's great. On the other hand, he does say, I will be sending you out like sheep among wolves, which is not what we want to hear. (laughs) Sending me out like sheep among wolves? How about you send me out like wolf among sheep? But that's not it. A few weeks ago, the session at this church went to San Angelo. And we went to um, First Presbyterian Church in San Angelo and got to have a lovely dinner and hear a talk by Dana Allen, who is the uh, Synod Executive of our denomination. And it was very good. It's good, good conversation, good talk that he gave with some question and answer afterwards. And his whole talk centered on five shifts that the church needs to make. These five shifts, and I will tell you what they are quickly, and you understand why we're going to go through it a little slower. So shift number one is the church needs to go from being clergy-centered to an unleashed laity. Number two, from safety and preservation to risk-taking and expansion. Number three, from homogeneous leadership prepared for Christendom to preparing all God's people for a post-Christian environment. Number four, from a purely attractional model of ministry to a missional and attractional model. And number five, from an addition-subtraction mentality to a multiplication mindset. All right. You don't need to memorize all those right now. You don't even need to have them all written down because we will go over those in the days and weeks to come, and here's why. When we see these as the, uh, the shifts that ECO has said, these are the shifts the church needs to make, 
That sounds wonderful, except it's not a new thing. And it's not even that these are the shifts that need to happen right now, because right now we're in a particular situation that is problematic. But I think actually, these are the shifts that we need to make in every generation, because we're always falling back into old patterns and old routines and ways that God never called us to be. We're always calling, falling back onto the familiar and to the comfortable and the trusting in ourselves and in resting, having control over things ourselves rather than trusting God and following His Spirit and what He's calling us to do. This happens at an individual level and it certainly happens at a church level. And so this is always the call of the church to make these five shifts. And in fact kind of reverse engineering these, we're going to take a look at these five things all through the lens of what happened at Pentecost. At first Pentecost Sunday. So I know today's not Pentecost and neither is next Sunday. We're just going to keep on looking at Pentecost Sunday for five weeks as we look at each of these five things and see how uh, the coming of the Spirit of God upon His people actually brought about these changes of the church then. And whenever we reject it, how we then fall back and the unhelpful ways, and the ways that God never called us to be. And so, uh, for this morning, we're just going to look at the first one. That from clergy-centered to an unleashed laity. And for that, let's take a look at Acts chapter 2. Verses 14 through 21. I'll let you know what's going on in this moment. Everybody's gathered together in Jerusalem On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God comes upon the disciples and they start speaking in all kinds of languages. People gather and they hear what is going on. Maybe they're drunk. And then, verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a lot more to his sermon at this point, but we're going to focus mainly on that part right there. And even more specifically, on who it is that's speaking and what it is that he's saying. We have Peter speaking. Now we're looking at, again, the idea of needing to go from clergy-centered to an unleashed laity. And clergy are those who are in um, kind of official ministry positions within the church. And then the laity, because I'm going to keep using these words, so you know what they what we're talking about. And the laity is just everybody else who's a part of the church. And uh, and there are some distinguishing features that way. Here's the problem: what happens in the church, sometimes intentionally and often unintentionally is that we start seeing those not so much as overlapping as ministry partners together with varying with different roles much of which overlaps 
but as completely separate. And so there are, you know, those are the things the pastor does. Those are the things the clergy does. And so if someone comes uh, in need of spiritual advice or counsel, if someone comes in need of prayer, if someone comes and wants to know more about Jesus, the temptation is, for a lot of people, well, we'll get the pastor. Or we'll get you to the pastor. Or we'll, you, you got to get to him. Because I'm not one of those. You know, I can do those things. But here's what, uh, first of all, who Peter is. Peter is not one of the Pharisees. He's not one of the Sadducees. He's not one of the uh, clergy in that day. And yet, who does God use to proclaim his message to all the people who are gathered in Jerusalem? He's not using the preachers. He's using Peter. And the other disciples, those who know Jesus, and they are speaking uh, God's message. And what does he say? He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And there is no longer a division of who that is. We have the young, the old, the men, and the women everywhere. And as you read through the rest of the book of Acts, this is exactly what you see. Is it's not the Pharisees, it's not the Sadducees, it's not members of the Sanhedrin and the ruling councils in Jerusalem who are taking the message of Jesus forward. We have it's the fishermen. We have uh, tent makers. Everybody. We do ourselves a great disservice when we unintentionally, or intentionally, (laughs) but when we start separating it out and saying, those are things for the pastor. I couldn't do that. That's not what God has called me to do. Those are the pastor things. And we separate it out. Because here's what happens, is we end up missing out on what it is that God has called each of us to do in ministry together. One of the things that ECO has actually done is is changed the uh, word for member in uh, our book of polity. It's, it's no longer member. In ECO, you are covenant partners. They say you can still use the word member, and that's fine. But the understanding is that we are to be those who are covenanting together to be partners in ministry. And that's part of this recognition that everybody is called to ministry. Uh, we actually just talked a few weeks ago on Pentecost, so it may sound a little familiar, about First Peter, which I hadn't marked until just moments ago. About First Peter 4.10, when it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, God has called all of us. And he's gifted all of us. But when everything has to go through the pastor, it bottlenecks the ministry of the whole church. And what uh, God is constantly calling the church to do is release that bottleneck. To open that up. That ministry can happen not only through the pastor, but through everybody. In fact, if you go to Ephesians Said we're in Acts, we're really kind of all over the place today. In Ephesians, it says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers not to do the ministry, 
not to do the works of service. It says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And this, to me, sounds an awful lot like a football coach. Can you imagine what it would be like if the football coach tried to just play all the positions instead of coaching the team? Probably wouldn't get very far in the season. But we do that. And we do that um, often, like I say, unintentionally. I know I have been guilty of that myself quite a bit. And so as we go through this today, I want to um, apologize for the ways that I have done things that you should be doing. I have bottlenecked the ministry of this church and what Jesus is trying to do in and through us have stunted the growth that you could be having. And I want you to hold me accountable for this in the future. That when you say, Joe, will you do this? And I say, yes, I will do that, sure. Maybe ask me again and say, should you have said no? Because a lot of times I think I should say no. But I don't. And I end up doing works of service that I'm supposed to be equipping you to do. We need to get away from being clergy-centered and get to an unleashed laity. We see this again throughout the book of Acts, as I mentioned. Here are a couple other people. Not only is Peter one of these, we go a few chapters later and we see um, a guy by the name of Stephen. He was not one of, uh, not one of the ruling council, not part of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He wasn't even one of the original 12 disciples, and yet he is the first martyr of the church. And you read about him in Acts chapter 6 and 7 as he is selected for works of ministry. And then we find him giving an excellent sermon. But unless you think it's only uh, folks like Peter, folks like Stephen, it's not. It's also people like Saul. Paul, who was a Pharisee, who was one of the uh, religious leadership, and God uses him as well, because there's no longer an either-or, there's no longer these categories that we want to put people in, but God pours out his Spirit on all people, in whatever categories we may find ourselves, and he uses it all of it. And so I want us to have this image I, was, I love the way that it's phrased, from a, going from a clergy-centered to an unleashed laity. You know that if you have a dog that just really wants to run, but you've got him on the leash, you don't keep him on the leash and say, go, run, run, run. All you do is take the leash off. <laughs> and he goes. And so this morning, I want this sermon to be that unleashing But if there's a ministry that you feel like God has called you to, don't feel like you have to get everything run through the pastor. If you see needs in the community that you say, 
as, a, as Christians, we ought to be meeting these needs. How can you do that? Is that something that God has put before you to do? I have... Uh, I was a part of a church in Oklahoma where this happened all the time, and it was a wonderful thing. And it was uh, not that people would see needs, and they would go to the church and say, hey, I found a need, what can you guys do to meet it? But it was, hey, I have a need, here's an idea I have of how we can meet that need. How might the church support me in what I'm doing? And sometimes there were ways that, that would happen uh, more officially than others. But all sorts of ministries were started that way. Um, I'm going to go two more places here. One is this. I have to tell you this before I move on to the final point. <laughs> First thing is, I'm really glad to be preaching this particular uh, topic on this particular Sunday because we are right between um, all of the, the whole event of VBS and uh, the memorial service for Maxine tomorrow. Here's why I'm glad to be preaching this today in between those two events. is because in preparation for both of those, I have gotten to see people actually using their gifts in ministry and service in all kinds of ways. And so I feel like for this particular time, there's very little rebuke going on. If any rebuke, it's coming to me first. <laughs> but for everybody, it's, it's, this is to be an encouragement. Those of you who are using your gifts, please don't understand me to be saying that you're not and you need to be doing something else. If you're doing that, carry on and do that. Also, don't hear me saying that if you weren't helping with VBS or the service tomorrow that you're not using your gifts. No, there are all kinds of ways to be doing that. But if you're not using the gifts that God has given you in ministry somewhere, but are waiting for the pastor to do it, then maybe this is a rebuke. Maybe this is a time to wake up and see the, the leeches that don't need to be there to be unleashed into fruitful ministry. Okay, now, final point. So far, this sounds like a chaotic free-for-all. Is that really what we're encouraging? That everybody just goes out and does whatever they want? Not exactly. And that is where the content of what comes uh, in what Peter says is very important. The content of what Stephen says is very important. Did you notice that what Peter said, as he gets up to explain to people, they're all gathered around saying, what in the world is going on? We hear all these different languages, something bizarre is happening, somebody's got to explain it to us, and Peter stands up and he says, let me tell you what it is. And the first place he goes is the Old Testament. He goes to the Word of God, and he says, this will help explain what's going on. Everything he says is tied to the Word of God, and then it's tied specifically to Jesus. And if you read through the rest of what he says, he identifies that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that has been promised from before. And so, Peter, speaking through the Spirit, is entirely grounded in the Word of God and in Jesus Christ and his work in ministry. You move on ahead. And you look at, um, at Stephen, we are talking about a little bit ago. 
Stephen is one who's chosen in Acts chapter 6. It says, verse 3, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And Stephen is one of those chosen. Why is he chosen? Because he's already full of the Spirit of God. And then what happens next? He's, um, he gets in trouble. Opposition arises from those who are in control and in power and who wanted to bottleneck all ministry again. But with Stephen, they said, Are these charges true? And this he replied, Brothers and sisters, or brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia. And he begins there. In answer to what is going on, why are you doing what you're doing, where does Stephen start? He starts with the Old Testament. He starts with the Word of God. He starts with the Scriptures. And then he brings them all the way forward and shows how Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. So Peter, <laughs> Peter, full of the Spirit of God, goes to the Word of God, both written and living. Jesus himself. Stephen, same thing. Full of the Spirit of God, goes to the uh, written word of God and also to Jesus. And then, of course, we see Saul or Paul. And it's the same thing. As he writes most of the New Testament, we see someone who is full of the Spirit of God, who is constantly referring to the Old Testament and constantly pointing everyone to Jesus. When we talk about removing the leash, we are not saying that you are completely unleashed from everything. All you're being released from is the the bottleneck to those in clergy positions, having to run everything through them. But we are still, and you have to hear this, absolutely and completely tethered to the Word of God, absolutely dependent on the Spirit of God, and absolutely holding on firm to Jesus as the Messiah, our Savior and our Lord. But here's the thing, and this is what's so beautiful, is if we are being led by the Spirit of God and if we are holding tight to the, uh, the Bible and to Jesus, the rest takes care of itself. And so you can look out in uh, the world around you You can look for the needs of those both within the church and outside of it and ask God, how do I meet these needs? What would you have me do here? And these are things that we can do together. These are things we can do individually. But this is what God is calling the church to be. One empowered by His Spirit. One that's centered on His Word and one whose message is always, always, always Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You've got those three right. We may get other things wrong, but they'll be the minor things. Those are the major things. This is what we see consistently throughout. This is what we constantly fall away from. I need to repent and get back to. I will do what I can to help you along the way. I ask that you would do the same for me, that we would all do the same for each other, that God would be glorified, that Jesus would be made known throughout this community, and that we would all grow up in the unity 
and to maturity as the body of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.